Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. That's right, streaming live across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukeshow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station. Hi. How uh how are you? What's uh what's no no. See it's it's a crackly. I don't I don't like the I don't know. There we go. <laughs> well, I don't know what happened there, but I don't like it. That's what I'm saying right there. I don't like it. Okay, there we go. I like that a lot better. Hi, welcome to the program. Thanks for coming in this morning. It's the Michael Duke show. I don't know what was going on there. All of a sudden everything one of my <clears throat> one of my little knobs not working properly there. How are you guys doing? You guys ready for a uh, uh, you guys ready for a, another great day Thursday? One step closer to Firearms Friday, and uh, this is the day for you, my friends. This is the day where we get it all worked out and uh, and get ready to move on. The last day of uh, of March. So, couple things. <clears throat> Little housekeeping here. So let's start off with, um, let's start off with the fact that uh, today is the last day to file for your dividend. That's it. I hope you've, uh, I hope you filed. I hope you did everything you needed to do. And um, if not, today's the day. I don't know how much the dividend's going to be. Twelve hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, thirty-four hundred dollars. I'm just not sure. Nobody knows, but you can't. What 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 do they say? You can't win if you don't play. So yeah, you can't uh, you can't win this. You can't get this dividend unless you uh, decide to uh, step up to the plate and uh, and file. So today is the last day. <clears throat> and if you're like me and you've got kids who are, I guess we I guess we'll call them adult kids, right? Kids who are uh, over the age of 18, you can't file for them anymore, and so you might want to verify with them. Um, you know, you may want to verify with them um, that they actually got it done today because kids. I mean, you know what I mean? So make sure you go out there and uh, get your dividends in, uh, the dividend applications in for your permanent fund dividend. Today is the last day. Uh, what else is today's last day for, uh, um, oh, for, um, uh, reimbursement for idea. If you guys are out there in the idea program, today's the last day for that. If you're homeschooling, I uh, just want to remind you of that as well. Uh, and tomorrow is the deadline for the filing for the, uh, for the, uh, for the Congress seat. Boy, I should just file just to, just to go down and make people giggle right i mean is it i don't know it's already a crowded field according to the adn um uh according to the adn there are already what 10 11 people who have filed um with two more they still expected 
two more uh, still expected to file for the uh, for the for the seat uh, the vacant seat of uh, the recently passed Don Young. So uh, we're going to talk about that this morning. Um, we'll talk about some of the more of the shenanigans that are going on down at the, uh, the Alaska house as well, because, you know, <clears throat> well, I, I, we're going to talk about that. Um, we're also going to talk about, um, uh, we're also going to talk about, uh, what's happening, uh, around the state and we're going to open up the phone lines just to talk about some of the things that you guys may want to talk about uh, as well. But first, let me give you the good news for tomorrow. I've been working on this for a while, and uh, the last couple of Firearms Fridays we've been short on guests. Uh, and, but I guess tomorrow when it rains, it pours, because tomorrow on the program, we're going to have uh, uh, Dr. John Lott from the um, – Crime, uh, Crime Research Prevention Center. He's also the author of the book More Guns, Less Crime, The War on Guns, and many others. He's going to be on the program <clears throat> to talk about um, uh, constitutional carry and some other stuff. He's also been doing a lot of work. I don't know if you've been following this along behind the scenes, but he's been doing a lot of work on the 2020 election stuff. And he says he's got something he wants to talk about there as well. So we'll talk and discuss that tomorrow uh, on the program. And then in, uh, that's in hour one. And then in hour two, we're going to be joined by Jacob Sullum from Reason Magazine, who is also talking about constitutional carry. He had a really good article out in Reason here um, the day before yesterday, two days ago, talking about constitutional carry and uh, some of the different aspects of it. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited. To, you know, like I said, usually I'm happy with one guest on Firearms Friday because we always have Willie Waffle at the end and everything else. But all of a sudden, all the stars aligned, and I've got guests in both hours. So it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a fun show tomorrow. So make sure you tune in for that here on the program uh, for Firearms Friday. And then uh, I guess the rest of the morning, it's just going to be you and me, and we'll talk about uh, whatever the heck we feel like talking about. So that's all coming up uh, on the program today. We're going to get things ready to crack along and uh, get uh, get things uh, get things uh, squared away. So let's get started uh, on the on the headlines. First and foremost, the big thing that of course is sucking up uh, well most of the oxygen in the room is the discussion on tomorrow's deadline for the special primary election um, and the regular, well, it's, it's <clears throat> the deadline is for filing for the seat, which includes both the special primary and the special regular election, which will take place on June the 11th and August the 16th. And uh, at this point, yesterday, we counted, was it yesterday or day before? We counted something like 15 potentials that have filed for that office. And I think it's uh, I think it's going to end up being um, uh, nearly that right now. The uh, both the uh, must read Alaska, the ADN, KTUU, they're all reporting that currently that there are uh, 10 who filed. And, uh, well, even the AP, if, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the AP, uh, and, uh, they have, uh, they've had 10 who have filed currently 
and they're expecting at least at least two more who have uh, verbally committed. The ones who haven't filed, um, uh, Christopher Constant and uh, Al Gross, said they intend to run, but apparently have not done the paperwork yet. So there's been lots of discussion on this. But 10 candidates have filed to fill the seat so far, and uh, two more uh, also intend to file. Some of these names you know. Um, and, of course, uh, the, uh, the the one that, that got the most, uh, um, I guess, exposure on this here recently was probably Nick Baggage. Um, but uh, uh, Lowenfeld, sorry, my Jeff, I need more coffee this morning. Jeff Lowenfeld announced uh, that he has filed uh, as well. Lowenfeld is a 73-year-old former assistant attorney general and an oil and gas industry executive, um, and probably best known for writing gardening articles in the ADN. He's a he's a green thumb guy. And uh, he has now filed and is ready to uh, uh, and is ready to run in this race. Um, again, there were some other names being floated around. We'd heard that maybe Sarah Palin was going to uh, jump on board. Emil Nadi was another one. He was one of the uh, architects of the Alaska Native Claim Settlement Act, and he is the uh, he's the guy that lost to. Uh, Don Young back in 1973 by only 2,000 votes. Uh, he uh, he's uh, 89 years old and said that he was considering uh, a run only for the special election to finish out Young's term, just to keep an eye on things and to watch out for Alaska's interest. Uh, Mead Treadwell, whose name has also had been uh, floated, uh, has basically said in an interview yesterday that he has ruled out running after considering his other commitments, and said that he would also support a younger candidate in the race and one who could run for both the special and regular election as well. And he talked specifically about the importance of seniority uh, in that position, uh, because, you know, seniority in the, in the Congress, whether it's in the House, uh, House or the Senate, is an important thing. He said, I think it's pretty important that we treat the special election seriously because seniority is very important. Sometimes those four months can make the difference in four to eight years in a committee assignment or a chairmanship if you've been there three or four months earlier. So he's obviously looking for somebody that he can vote for in both the special uh, primary and special regular election and in the regular, regular election (laughs) primary. (laughs) So, I mean, this is just where it's just getting down to, folks. Uh, The special primary, again, set for June 11th. That will be a mail-in primary. And then the special election itself will be held on August the 16th to coincide with the regular primary. And apparently everything is, again, arriving all on one ballot. So, I mean, I just, I don't even, I, wow. So... Um, Other candidates who filed with the Division of Elections outside of Lowenfels and Baggage so far include uh, Greg Brelsford, uh, Bill Hibbler, Bob Lyons, J.R. Myers, Stephen Wright, J. Armstrong, Brian Beal, Otto Fleurschutz III, Lauren uh, uh, Foster, Thomas Tom Gibbons, Lauren... Griffin, Ted Heinz, 
and Sherry Mettler. Um, and of course, uh, our very own Chris By, who's running as a libertarian candidate. But I didn't recognize any of those other names. <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, I know who Stephen Wright is. I've interviewed Stephen Wright before. He's kind of a perennial candidate. Um, but everybody else, I don't even know who they are. I, it's, I mean, this is going to be interesting. You can have a whole field full of people that are relative unknowns. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of crazy. Uh, but again, right now, if, uh, if Constant and, uh, if Constant and uh, the Bear Killer, Dr. Al, all get signed up tomorrow, uh, then that would be 12. <clears throat> and of course, anybody else who may want to, if uh, Emil Nadi wants to, or if uh, Sarah Palin jumps in there, this could be a very crowded race. This could be a very, very crowded race. Um, and we're going to see, we're going to, we're going to see what happens with this. So, uh, that was one of the big headlines today that tomorrow is the final day. I mean, I'm, I just, you know, everybody ought to file at this, just, just go ahead. Everybody file for it and yeah, prepare for the next, um, you know, you thought last year's election season was bad. Prepare for the, uh, just prepare for the preponderance of political advertising and messages and flyers and radio ads and television ads that this is going to bring. Uh, I mean, you know, not that I guess as a radio guy, not that I'm opposed to, you know, radio advertising coming to us, but yeah, even at some point, even I just shake my head and go, oh man, just, just so much, so much. All right, uh, up to the break here. Let's uh, let's take a quick one. Uh, I got a couple more stories, and then we're going to uh, see what you guys have to say uh, on the phones. We're going to open up the phone lines to your phone calls, and we'll just kind of go open line, whatever today. So it's going to be it's going to be open line, open forum for a portion of the show. Uh, so we will kick that off here. Meanwhile, gotta go. The Michael Duke Show continues your home for common sense liberty-based free thinking radio we'll return with more in just a moment don't go anywhere Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Brace yourselves. I got to fix this. I don't know what's going on with this. Uh, But hold the line here for a second. Check. Check, 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 check. 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 Okay. Is that better? Is that better? That better? That better? Is that too loud? Is that too little? Is it too late? I don't know. All right. I guess that's a little better. Sorry, I didn't mean to uh, uh, feedback the hell out of you guys, but something's been monkeying with my board here. There we go. That's a little bit better. All right. Uh, 
So, I feel better. I sound better. It's, uh, that's a little sensitive, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Turn that down there. Turn that up just a bit. All right. Well, hopefully that, uh, now I'm freaking out your stereo here because it's left and right, left and right. All right. You guys ready? Another frustrating thing about BM2, uh, all AE, all mail-in, but the state has no method of signature verification. The voter list has over 100% of the eligible registered adults to vote. Yeah, no, I agree. Definitely uh, something that is concerning when you've got, uh, you know, ballots going out willy-nilly and no signature verification. I mean, you find a ballot, you you fill it out however you want. You sign Joe Schmedley on the outside of it and you send it in. I mean, what what are you going to do? Again. Uh, let's see. Um, who just said they're writing in Randy? Uh, Brian says he's writing in Randy. Good for you, my friend. Good for you. Um, yeah, I mean, hell, it's it's a party down there. Everybody should go down and get signed up to uh, to run for Congress. Talk about my idea of a perfect day in hell. Oh my lord, that would be just yikes. Um, let's get some good news out today, please, says Jack. Well. It's spring. The sun's out. Everything is beautiful. Um, I mean, except for it's the dog poo season, you know, as the spring sprung and all that kind of stuff. But again, that's why we have, uh, that's why we have children to come in and do that. You're an all-star. Hey, now you're an all-star. Get your game on. Go play. Um, admit it, Brian, you didn't read that. You sang it in your head. <laughs> You guys are just full of P&V this morning. Um, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, all right. Oh, the prepare for the flood of political mail in your box. What paper shortage? Well, that's the thing. I mean, does a paper go to the highest bidder? Is the state like, oh, you're too low on the totem pole to, you know, you're going to have to duke it out for all these paper ballots. Man, it's there. Did you just say dog poop season? Yes, I did. I mean, there's a season for everything. <clears throat> and this is where the, the 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 piles bloom up out of the snow that have been missing all year long, right? They got hidden by the snow, and then all of a sudden, there it is. What, what are you going to do? It is dog poop season. Uh, I beg your pardon. I never promised you a rose garden. <laughs> oh, man. Should the director of elections be held accountable? Yes, I agree. All right, Bill Brock is filing in the morning. No, Harold's filing in the morning. Bill Brock has said something about Harold not filing, and Harold said, I'm filing in the morning. Well, good for you. Good for you. I guess we'll see how that works out. Um, you know, if you've got a plan and you're going to work the plan, we'll see how many people support the plan. We'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Oh, Josh Revac. Wait, I didn't see Josh Revac's name in that whole thing. In fact, it wasn't mentioned at all, but it had been mentioned in the previous. So, yeah, 15, a very real possibility. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Oh, man. 
What a huge list of names. All right, like and share, like and follow, subscribe, ring the bell, do the whole thing. Here we go, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. All right, um, it's the rumble in the jungle. Somebody just said it in the chat room. Yeah, because, I mean, all the names that I just threw out there and I forgot, Josh Revac is supposedly running as well. So, I mean, who knows? It could be a run. I mean, it. you know, are they going to have somebody with a camera parked down at the Division of Elections all day today to snap pics of uh, people who show up? I don't... Uh, I don't know. How does a candidate go about filing? You know, Greg, I'm not sure. I'm sure that there is a boatload of paperwork that has to go with it. Um, they've got pictures of Lowenfell down at the Division of Elections. Um, and uh, he, it's a it's a big, thick packet of paper. So I'm assuming you need to go to a Division of Elections office and uh, or download the forms or whatever and then fill them out. I have no idea. I have no idea at this point how to do that. So I imagine it's a packet full of paper and probably a couple hundred bucks for the filing fee and away you go. So I don't know. I don't know how many, I don't know how many of you are going to, uh, you know, it would be funny if a bunch of people just went down today and filed for that office. I mean, could you imagine having a jungle primary where the ballot for the the ballot for the single seat is you know a page and a half of names They're just like pick one pick pick one <laughs> people would be like what the hell is going on here this is so different this is so different um yeah so just go down there and uh, check it out yeah let me know greg You'll get my vote for Congress if that's what it takes to, uh, if you're going to go down there and do it. I mean, it'd be me and, you know, a hundred other people, but, uh, yeah, this is the time. If you ever wanted to do it, you could figure out, you could go down there and try it out for three months. If you happen to win, you could go down to Washington, D.C. for three months and see how you liked it <laughs> and then come screaming back and be like, I've never ever doing that again ever yeah Oof. um all right so man harold you're so salty in the morning uh we got our we got our resident troll is back here in the morning program uh because we're not serious enough about stuff apparently um you know it's uh it's all good okay second uh second uh big story for the day uh, was the House now, the Alaska House has canceled all former meetings, all former, former meetings, all formal meetings. Sorry, I had to wet my whistle because apparently it's sticking. The House has canceled all formal meetings until next week. Why? Because COVID. That's what they're saying. 
The House does not plan to hold another formal floor session until next week, according to the PR flack for the House Majority Coalition. Stutes had uh, had Stutes had announced on Monday that masks would be required, and then when people showed up um, without masks. She told reporters that yesterday that several minority Republican lawmakers chose not to wear masks. And here's what her response was. Are you ready for this? Here's what it is. This is the policy. And if you think you're going to come in here and totally ignore the policy, we simply aren't going to have a session. Okay, I may have added the snarky tone to that, but those are the exact words. I mean, those are the exact. This is the policy. We just simply aren't going to have a session. I'm going to take my ball and bat and go play somewhere else. (laughs) What? Now, by contrast, the Senate is meeting just fine. There are no universal masking rules in effect in the Capitol. But, of course, the presiding officers of the House or the Senate have some authority over their respective chambers. Uh, The Senate has not imposed a masking rule amid the latest outbreak that's going on at the Capitol, which, again, is... Probably the Omicron variant, so it's very mild and everything else. But and that and the Senate has not imposed a masking rule, and they have are holding their floor sessions this week. Some senators wore masks on the floor yesterday, some did not. Okay, I mean d- d- there you go. This is really nothing more than the fact that because some of their members are sick. They don't want to take the chance to read the budget across the floor and have it be too close when the amendments start flying. I mean, this is exactly what we were talking about, uh, exactly what we were talking about yesterday with Mike Shower and the day before when I was coming commenting on this uh, over, you know, the Ben Carpenter uh, comment when he was in the hallway talking with her and everything else. That, you know, if it hadn't been that Ben Carpenter and company had had not worn a mask, I'm sure she would have found some other reason not to hold a floor session because they are terrified. The, the, the literally is a 21 vote majority. You get two people out sick, three people out sick, and all of a sudden you don't know what's going to happen when it comes down to uh, to the votes on these amendments. They're gonna be. They were gonna be reading the budget across the floor, and the minority was like, "Yep, we're ready. We're we're ready to uh, to read through this." And uh, and they said, "No, wait a second. We can't give them any power. We can't do that. So we've got to find an excuse to close down the floor session, even though the Senate is fine and just moving forward. We have to find it. I mean, this is just some astonishing stuff. I mean, she did this all on her own." all on her own. They have not read the state budget bill uh, across the floor that came across from the or came out of the committee last week and it's the necessary step that has to happen before they can take up debate and start to amend. 21 member majority caucus led by Stutes and then the 18 member Republican minority and of course Sarah Rasmussen who is the unknown quantity at this point. Um, you know, it's like she just 
She's she's like the loose cannon on the floor of the thing. Uh, she'll run this way. Oh, this is a positive and I'm full PFD. And then she's like, no, no, no. We need to pay all $582 million back to the oil companies, even though we've been paying it out every year. And it's, oh, man. But this is what's going on. I mean, this is what is going on right here. All of this stuff right now is happening in the legislature. And all we want to do is just get this done, get the budget finished, get a PFD settled so that we can get on with our lives and these people won't bother to get together and meet. What What is going on? I'm afraid. Oh, an interesting side note. Remember I mentioned, what was it yesterday, day before yesterday, the, the, the point in the, oh... That she that she basically had been uh, tested that that stoots. Uh, I think it was one of those because there are people out there that are super afraid of COVID, right? I mean, COVID's there. It's it it can be dangerous to people. I'm not diminishing that, but there are some people out there that are just like they have a total freak out over whether or not they can get this thing. They're worried about it. They're they're having a total meltdown. And, um, and, uh, and there was a quote in the, is this the article? This is it right here. Um, she had, she had been tested. She said she'd not been feeling good earlier in the week. And, um, uh, let me, let me find the actual, I I don't want to miss, I don't want to, uh, um, there we go. Here it is right here. Stutz's chief of staff was among those who tested positive, she said, according to Stutz. She herself was sick with a terrible cold last week, but she said she tested negative at least twice a day, every day. So that was the, and first of all, I'm like, you're testing yourself twice a day, every day for COVID. And then there's another story this morning up in the ADN talking about how providers who've been offering free COVID tests and treatments for Alaskans uh, are going to need to pivot because their funding is ending. And it quotes the price of a test. Um, it's about it's well, it, it averages from eighty five to one hundred and twenty five dollars. So, you know, just just find the median there of one hundred dollars. <laughs> And go back to what Stutz is two tests a day, twice a day, every day for a week. My God, you just spent a thousand dollars on tests because you're just, I just gotta just, and of course, she didn't pay for that. That's all paid for by the state, right? Because they've got the beacon and the whole thing with the state testing and all that stuff. It's it just, it, it, it's out of control, folks. Can we just knuckle down and get the job done of what needs to get done? Can we focus on the important stuff, bringing the budget back in line, solving the PFD issue and bringing back, you know, the full statutory PFD is what we really need. Uh, But at this point, just fix it and then move on. And uh, it is it is a it, it it's just astonishing. But this is what, uh, yeah, maybe she does have Howard Hughes syndrome. Howard Hughes was the known, uh, um, you know, like the hypochondriac. I don't know. I mean, again, COVID's real. 
it can be deadly to certain people. It can be, it can make it rough. It's definitely not, but to stress out about it, like, you know, test, give me a test, give me a test, give me a handy wipe, give me a thing, give me a thing. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's getting, and then to use it as a justification for shutting down all the floor sessions so that the Alaska budget cannot progress just kind of makes me scratch my head a little bit. All right. Um, let's, uh, let's go over to the phones. I guess we got a phone call here. So I got a couple minutes here before we run out of daylight. Let's start over here with a good phone call for this morning. Hey, hello. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Mike. This is Mark from the Tanana Valley. Hello. That sounds uh, like they're having a real food fest down in uh, Juneau again. Yeah, they're having a good time. What's on? What? Uh, what's? What's your hot point today? Well, a couple of points, really. Ninety uh, percent uh, of the deaths uh, circling and surrounding the COVID. Ninety uh, percent of those people that are purportedly died of COVID, they've all had the non-vaccine shot. It's not a vaccine. People are being deceived. Um, where are you and getting? I thought that was where an you, interesting where statistic you, where, to uh, where are you getting that statistic, of. Mark? Mark, where's that statistic coming uh, from? Uh, uh, Liberty Council, their last news alert. Liberty Council saying 90% of the people who have died have been vaccinated? Is that what you're saying? Yes. 90% of those that have died purportedly of the uh, COVID, they've been given this non-vaccine. And there's a new military uh, report that's out. Uh, and there's thousand percent increase in all these uh, maladies mm. uh, from those that were forced to get the shots. The military is being decapitated. Well, and, I, uh, I mean, I've looked at the statistics for some of this, and I don't know who the Liberty Report is, but uh, it doesn't match what I have seen in the news. Again, I mean, I think that uh, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, anti-vaccine or pro-vaccine one way or the other, but. Uh, the those numbers don't match up. Now, the breakthrough cases, those who have gotten COVID, I know that it's over 50% of the cases that have gotten COVID since the vaccination started have been breakthrough cases. I do know that. But 90% have had the vaccine? Mm, I think that I would uh, distrust those numbers. We don't, you know, we don't, here's the thing, folks, you don't need to make up numbers or, and I'm not saying Mark is making up numbers. I'm saying that he's reading something that somebody else has said but you know we don't need to we don't need to uh, go out there and make up stuff uh there's enough hard raw data that you can pull right off the vers website which is the adverse reaction website there's enough information to go out and pull out off of many different publicly uh known data sources you don't have to make stuff up i mean you know that that's what's frustrating to me is to see something sometime that is so uh, obviously, in my mind, when looking at all the numbers, so obviously false and being propped up as saying, look, this is the truth, that it just, it, it you know, it's it's crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, the vaccine is not going to stop you from getting it. It's not going to stop you from spreading it. It's not going to, if anything, it milds the symptoms out for you and that's about it. But uh, anyway, it's, Crazy stuff. All right, we're uh, we're gonna come up on the break here. Let's uh, let's just do that. Let's go to the break, and we'll come back. 
with more and more phone calls. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free thinking radio. Regularly heard on American radio. All right. Um. Oh man. Oh man. Sometimes, where you know, cite your statistics, cite your sources. Well, it's from the website that says all everything I say is true. dot com, and I'm gonna say anything you want to know. Um, it's just. Again, there's plenty of public data on a lot of this information out there that you could go look up yourself directly from the source and not get it piped through some, um, you know, wackadoo website that's got everything, uh, um, you know, wackadoo website that's got, uh, uh, you know, the axe to grind and it's going to manipulate the numbers. There's plenty of stuff out there. You can go read it for yourself. Why? 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 makes my head hurt all right uh did you see sarah vance uh live explaining what is truly happening um that was uh greg i didn't see that should i send a text to sarah vance and see and and because i have not seen the live yet there are not enough hours in the day for me to see the live here um uh hey understand uh that you did a Facebook Live about uh, floor sessions, uh, period. Want to come on this morning on for a few to discuss. I did not see discussy. What? Man, autocorrect. All right, there you go. How about that? I just sent a text to Sarah Vance to see what's going on. Um, Alaska legislature is the laziest in the nation because the Democrats won't have a majority of the vote during the budget process if they actually have a session. That's exactly what I was talking about, Matt. They won't have the hard-locked majority. I mean, they're already close enough with 21. Uh, Except community and regional affairs, they're meeting this morning with mandated masks, says Angie. Um. You got uh, Don Young's memorial tomorrow. Can you sue the state legislature? Um, Omni versus science infection. I'll take Omni any day. <laughs> Zoom must be broken in Juno, says Brian. I mean, we're all else supposed to be. Uh, we're all else supposed to be. You know, continuing on with our jobs. I mean, just because COVID happens and people get sick, I still got to show up to work, right? That's that's the thing. Everybody, yeah, I mean, not, you know, it's all crazy stuff. Uh, they're making it so that they can get extra special sessions for pay. That's a hundred percent thing. Um, Sarah Rasmussen's a train wreck. The whole place is a train wreck. 
she sounds like she had Howard Hughes syndrome. We talked about that. Uh, are there any issues to talk and about like, what is this line, the public safety for such a small part of the spending of the budget? Um, okay. Uh, a bee sting can be deadly to many people. Let's kill all the bees to keep those individuals safe. <laughs> Love the intro and the buildup, and then Mark crashes the show, says Harold. Yep, I, I, that's kind of what happened. I was like, okay, good. We're going to run in this, you know. Um, all right. Uh, going down here. A lot of data is out. A lot of data is put out to totally manipulate. Meanwhile, uh, yesterday, her live was short and sweet. Texting? Live, what a show. Hey, this is the real, man. You're checking out the real. This is this, these little segments behind the scenes uh, in the commercial breaks. That's how real radio is, man. It's just crazy. You just do it. You're doing all kinds of things. You're talking. I mean, I normally would be picking my nose and, and reading stories if I wasn't talking to all you. Back in the day, before we did Facebook simulcasts, I would be picking my nose and reading more stories to talk about in the next segment. But instead, I'm talking to you. Would you rather watch me pick my nose and just read quietly, not out loud? You need to hire a texter for teenage, a teenager for texting. I can text just fine. Thank you very much. Uh, it lowers your immune system. Uh, yada, yada, yada. You know, what's funny is that my, my Omni chat widget, which pulls all the chats together, it finds, it finds things that people post. But then Facebook doesn't show it. So it's posted on Facebook. I can see the comment, but Facebook kills the comment because <laughs> Harold made a comment about horse, oint horse ointment and it didn't post it in Facebook, but I see it in my widget. So the it, that's so funny. Oh, my. Uh, yeah, I, you could see the actual censorship in real time. It's kind of interesting to see. All right. I, as a, all right. You ready to go? Hey, we've seen you pick your nose. Uh, well, hey, that is a welcome sight. Oscar-worthy performance. Here we go. Okay. Uh, Sarah Vance uh, was just brought up in the chat room. Somebody was talking about how Sarah Vance apparently did a live uh, Facebook Live, which you can watch after the show. Hey, you can watch after the show. You don't have to see it right now. Um, but apparently she did a Facebook Live discussing, just talking about what I was talking about, which is the real reasons why they're shutting down the... Uh, um, the real reasons why they're uh, uh, shutting down the legislative session right now. So kind of an interesting, uh, kind of an interesting uh, 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 thing. So 
Uh, I reached out to Sarah Vance in the break. We'll see. Maybe she'll call in this morning to comment on, uh, give her, uh, give us her thoughts on this. As a member of the minority, she has a, a good viewpoint on exactly what's happening to try and silence them, I think. I believe, anyway. So, what's going on? Uh, we're going to open up the phone lines right now for those who may want to call in and talk about a variety of issues. Uh, I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not stuck to my agenda for the day. We'd love to hear what you have to say. 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150 is the phone number. It is uh, the Pivotel call-in line powered by our friends at Pivotel and Satellite West. And we'd like to say thank you for uh, um, thank you for them uh, uh, for sponsoring the program and appreciate it. Uh, which, of course, also reminds me that we're going to talk in just a little bit about our other sponsors on the program. Um, uh, that is, of course, our friends at Bivy, Bivy Stick, and Satellite West. Uh, that's coming up here in just a little bit. A smart fellow staffer said, uh, this is uh, Angie, who's down uh, apparently in Juneau. She said, a, start, a smart fellow staffer said, it's about math, not about masks. <laughs> but we're going to tell the whole world that it's about masks and that there's these evil, evil legislators. They don't use the word evil, but the implication is, is it why are you trying to kill us all? Um, but that it's this evil group that just doesn't want to play by the rules. And it's because of them that we have to shut down. Because you just won't do what is told. Uh, you just won't do what you're told. You just won't You just won't tow the line. Of course, if you had towed the line, we would have found some other reason to shut down the session for now. But other than that, this is you just because you just won't do what you're told. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, okay, uh, 433-3150, 433-3150 is the phone number. Uh, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say here. Uh, look, we all know what the solution to this problem is. We have hammered this solution back and forth for the last, well, I've been working on it for 20 years. But, uh, I mean, we have, we have, you know, thrown this thing back and forth for years we know what the what the solution is don't we the solution is again pretty easy you change the players you change the venue you change the rules you change the funding this is i mean this is the this is the this is it right here the charter of changes is how you fix it we pointed it out. We've talked about it. We've beaten it to death. We've asked politicians what their feelings are on it. Oh, we're all in favor of it. I think, you know, really? And we've changed out some of the players. We've changed out a little bit of the rules. Everything else is still up in the air. This is, this is how we fix things right there. Just fix it. But, um, yeah, we just we can't seem to get past the number one changing. We keep changing the players, except we don't change them all out. We only change out a portion of them. 
And then the business as usual crowd comes in and kicks the crap out of the newbies, and they were back right to where we were before. It's, it's crazy. All right, I'm sorry. I sidebarred there for a minute. Let's uh, let's get back to the phones and see what you have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, Mike. Jeff from Homer. I was listening this morning about the COVID statistics. Well, if you think you're going to get the straight edge on that, you just you just not. You know, I watched a bunch of stuff last night just to see what was going on in the world. I see mm-hmm. the Ukraine war, but it was COVID again. You know, you got Biden slipping down to thirty percent or somewhere in there, depending on who you watch, and you know, all of a sudden COVID comes back. It's all suspicious. Uh, you know, and then they had some guys on there, the guy that actually came up with the whole system on on the cove antibodies and stuff like that. And you know, they they said and there was a couple of people there was one guy that uh I think he was the US he does the investigations on this stuff. And he said, you know, there's 26,000 people. He was supposedly the spokesman for the government on Fox, I think it was, and he was on another one there. And uh, he said 26,000 people roughly have died from the COVID, which just tickles me because, you know, 80,000 a year before COVID happened died of complications of the flu, but they died from COVID. It's, you know, there's a difference. Right, right. So uh, um, so anyways, he was saying this this count, you can absolutely count on it being four to five times more because they don't do it right. They're, they're, they're adding it up backwards, you know. I mean, people that come in and die from a car accident, if they got COVID, they get listed of dying from COVID, you know, things like that. So... They're pumping one end up and suppressing the other. He said, absolutely. There's no question about it. But you can't say whether it's two times more, you know, because it's none of it's really a real thing. It's just what they're getting for information. But when you've got, he explained it all out, uh, it was pretty good. You know, when you've got hospitals listing people, they come in and they died and they say, look, if, if we can list him for COVID, you get $9,000 for his burial and you guys get money and we get money and everybody gets money. So if that's the system we're counting the deaths with, good luck with that. Pretty much is what he said. Right. And he was pretty straightforward, you know. So, um, yeah, there's a lot to it. And if you believe you're going to get the, the proper information out of your government, well, just take a good hard look at your government today. Yeah, good luck with that one. So is what he's saying, and I agree with that. Right. right. I've agreed with it all along. Yes, probably our people dying with COVID. Um, God knows what, but do we know all the underlying things that these people had? Nope. I'm telling you, they're just telling you they died of COVID. Well, and, and, and some of the numbers that came out. Right, no, they look. changed the language. Look, so. in the first year, there were some statistics that came out that showed um, – you know, that, that showed specifically that of the people that had died, 94% had comorbidities, meaning other things that could be killing them, and COVID right. contributed to that. But it may have been the actual something else that killed them. But uh, So they knew that already. So now the question is, if you, I mean, there were people who reportedly were killed in motorcycle accidents, and then... You know, they had been tested as they were dying in the hospital because they were testing everybody. And it turns out they had COVID. And even though they didn't die from COVID, they died from loss of blood because they had their head split open or whatever. 
they still died from COVID. So, I mean, yeah, there there was definitely some, there's definitely, you know, you can manipulate even the raw numbers. We've seen that. But what I was saying earlier is, you know, we don't need to make stuff up. There's enough bad stuff out there about what's going on. There's enough, uh, there's enough, there's enough to right. quite, there's enough to question in the raw numbers alone. You don't have to go make stuff up to figure it out from there. That's all, that's all I'm saying. Um, all right. Hold the line, Jeff. Uh, folks, we're coming up on hour two, the Michael Duke show, common sense, liberty-based, free thinking radio. Jeff, I wanted to give you your final say there, but we were running up against the break, so I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't get want to get hard pressed against it. So, your final thoughts here, yeah. Jeff? No, that's all right. Well, you know, in this big bad world we live in today, you got to look after yourself and kind of pick through this this whole thing. Excuse me, I was eating a piece of my muffin. They like, and um, you know, like I said, we didn't contract trace contact trace the uh the flu so you'd find there was probably more people died of the flu than we know you know and that was the thing he said you know if if you died at home and even with COVID, um and you just got buried which we had one right in anchor point when this first started the guy had cancer for three years he died hmm, he had COVID, but everybody should have died of COVID. well no he didn't I think Sarah Vance went and checked on him. He did not have COVID. He died of cancer with the rumor around town. So you get all this information from people. And it's basically been, for me, about the panic. You and I talked about this. We were right. standing on the deck of the time bandit when it right. first started. Yep. Yep. We, you know, we said, we're not climbing under a rock. We like our germs. We're going to eat a pound of dirt. People are going to die. But people do that every day. And I think if you take a look at the number of deaths, you know, the first year, they were down, Mike, because nobody was moving, no car accidents, no, you know, I saw stories on, on the, the Reuters news that when a guy died of a parachute accident and he was listed for COVID, you know, everybody right. like you have COVID. Exactly. You, you I know. know. Strength enough to yeah. Cord, exactly. You know, so. Well, especially since it was something like they were saying that 60% or it was over 50% of the cases were asymptomatic, meaning they didn't even know they had it. And so people were dying of other causes, and then they'd test them when they were in the hospital, and they're like, oh, you've got COVID. And look, they died from COVID. Okay. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's insane. It's insane. I'm on the the other end of this, Mike. I'm so frustrated. You don't know how many times I've had to be tested to get on these boats because they can't go ashore with COVID. Yeah. I get down. I get a little runny nose. Or it's springtime, my eyes are running, oh, i got to go get a test. And I'm never tested positive for COVID. Yeah. I'd like to say I had it. Yeah. I'd like to say I'm asymptomatic, but I can't tell. Yeah. So I went down and got a $166 test, and they said, yep, you're immune. <laughs> and I said, wow. Okay. okay, this was early. This was early in COVID. This was the first year. So I still had to go down and get a test. If you go on yeah. Devil's Catch Boat. You got to get yeah. Yeah. going to the factories. Yeah. You got to get tested. No, it's crazy. So it really All got right. annoying. And then I was watching TV one day, and the Chinese were just walking up to a window and going, 
oh, on the tongue and gone. And, right. And their test was done. And I go, uh, why don't we have that? Oh, that was and the, so that wasn't. a lot of crap. Yeah, I think that wasn't the that wasn't the yeah. that wasn't the Chinese. I think that was the South Koreans because the South Koreans the Chinese, yeah, the Chinese. The, oh, was it the yeah. Chinese? Because the yeah, South why, Koreans why, why? they developed a test that was quick and easy, and and they were doing it in kiosks all around the yeah. city and stuff. So, all right, Jeff. Well, hey, I gotta uh, I gotta I gotta fly here. I want to talk about one other thing, and I've only got a couple minutes. Thank you for calling in this morning. I appreciate it. Um, hey, look, I want to go back to this thing because I just I, I noticed this and I mentioned it here just a minute ago. But um, I I wanted to mention this because this is this is I hadn't noticed this before. Again, I've got a chat widget off to the side of my screen. It's well, it's on the screen, but it basically shows me all the chats from YouTube and Facebook and Twitch all in one window. Right. It collects them all. But I and I hadn't noticed it before. Uh, I had actually seen it a couple times. I thought it was a glitch before, but. I just noticed, and I mentioned it a minute ago, Harold said something about horse dewormer, right, as a joke because he wants to mock us. But what's funny was that never showed up in the act because I have the Facebook window open as well. And so that never actually showed up in the Facebook window, although it showed up in the unified chat window. And then I made a mention of it and said, that's just, <laughs> just crazy. This is what obvious. Here's proof that Facebook is censoring people. And then Harold made another comment about, Oh, great. Now you're pushing censorship, which is not what I was saying. But apparently because he said the word censorship, that quote, that post also did not show up in the chat room um, as well. I mean, I'm looking at like kind of like real time. I'm looking at like it must be real time uh, analysis of what's going on. Tell Harold that Ivermectin, so I can see both of those comments, but I can't see some of the others. Now, I know many of you have said, well, just block Harold. Well, I haven't blocked Harold because, you know, Harold's got his point of view, and uh, I find it highly entertaining sometimes, personally. I know some of you find it, you guys could personally block whoever you want and not see their comments, but I'm, I'm a little irritated by that. Because again, I can look right at the. I mean, I can go post by post. I can go back and see, isn't Machiki on today? And I see that that comment was right there. And then he said, nothing like freedom-loving radio talk show host pushing censorship. But that post never showed up in the actual Facebook window. That's crazy. I'm going to have to start paying closer attention to both windows at the same time um because usually i'm i because I, i'm usually only looking at the youtube comments on the one side and then i'm looking at the facebook comments on the other because i want to be able to read but i mean in real time they're closing down the the wow yeah I could see Harold's comment, says Donna. Do you see the comment about the censorship? Do you see the comment about the horse dewormer? I'm just asking. Because if you could see those, then maybe it's something weird on my end. But I can see it in my unified chat, but I just couldn't I just couldn't see. That's it's weird. It's weird. Um Oh, she says yes, she can see it. Okay, so maybe it's just something. I don't know why my Facebook window is not showing it. But I can see it in the unified chat window, which is weird. Anyway, I, I guess it doesn't really matter then. If, if you guys can all see it, it was much ado about nothing.
Pay no attention. Move along. The Michael Luke Show. Buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukeShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator um, is uh, is how it works. The Michael Duke Show. Hi, how are you? Uh, welcome to hour two. <laughs> Somebody said how to distract a radio show host. Uh, there's a lot of distractions going on this morning from the chat room. I just I got to be honest with you. I'm just kind of going a million miles an hour. Uh, we got 70 feet, 70 folks uh, over there with our uh, uh, our friends on uh, Facebook and another bunch of folks out on YouTube and everything else. So they're keeping me company during the uh, long, quiet commercial breaks. That's just here to keep me calm and keep me keep me entertained. And they do a good job at that. Uh, welcome to the program, and thanks for coming in. Hour two of the show today, um, and we are ready to uh, we're ready to dive into this with both feet. Um, wow, I just realized that for some reason my live stream stopped again. Um, <clears throat> too many bells and whistles today, folks. Too many bells and whistles. Uh, our topics have been varied, but we have uh, mostly talked about um, we have mostly talked about. Uh, the Senate, excuse me, the Congress race, the race for the U.S. House of Representatives seat, the special election, both the primary and the regular election, the, the special general election, which are going to be held uh, on June the 11th and August the 16th. We talked about the fact that tomorrow is the last day um, to sign up uh, if you want to throw your hat in the ring for that congressional seat to fill it out for the last three months of the year, which I find uh, very interesting. Uh, right now, there are 10 people officially signed up with at least two or three more who have said that they are going to run. So you're going to have um, so you're going to have at least a dozen candidates on this ballot. And I was saying, well, why don't we just, you know, Hell, just everybody throw their name into the hat and let's get, you know, let's get 25, 30, 40 people on this ballot. We'll find somebody that we can believe in and get behind. Uh, one of my friends on the in the Facebook uh, chat said uh, wanted to know how to do it. And if he if I see his name on the ballot, guess what? I'm voting for him. That's how it works. <laughs> I'm voting for him because at least I know that I can trust him. Uh, versus everybody else that I just barely know at all. But uh, so anyway, we were talking about that. What else were we talking about? Oh, the thirty first is um, the thirty first is uh, uh, 
today, and that is the last day uh, to, um, uh, shoot, I'm sorry. Uh, it is the last day to um, uh, file for your dividends. Um, and uh, so make sure that if you get done, you have had gotten it done. And I was talking specifically um, uh, about our adult children. <laughs> our adult children uh who you know are supposed to be adults but we know how that uh we know how that works um that they're not really paying that close attention to us or to the world sometimes and so i would recommend that you walk around to your adult children today or call them up or whatever who especially if they did you file your dividends it was easy when my wife could file basically everybody's dividend but me um and uh so it but you know when, when when they turn 18 you could no longer file their dividends so you basically want to make sure to <clears throat> you basically want to make sure that uh that they are ready because we don't know how much the dividend could be it may be 1200 it may be i mean if we're going to get the if we're going to get the energy rebate as well the energy relief check which has nothing to do with the pfd Right. They wanted to make that perfectly clear it has nothing to do with the PFD that. But if you're going to get the energy relief check, you have to also have filed for the dividend. So I hope you're talking to your adult kids, especially if, you know, any kid in your house over the age of 18 or, you know, hey, that's what you need to do. Uh, and because today is the day. Get it done. <clears throat> all right. Um, all right. Uh, let's. Uh, Let's uh, let's uh, jump over here. Uh, we were, oh, we were also talking about what was going on in the House of Representatives with the whole thing where uh, Louis Stutes has been uh, basically saying these these bad, bad boys over here, these bad people, they they won't wear their masks like we told them to. So we're just not going to do our work because we just know we're just not going to allow it. I mean, that's what they're saying. That's kind of what she's been talking about. Uh, and uh, she 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 uh, she said uh, uh, anyway, she just basically said, I'm going to take my ball and bat and go home if you guys don't do what I tell you to do. Uh, one of the bad boys. Uh, or, I mean, that's my it's not what she said, but one of the bad boys who won't do what he's told uh, was Representative Ben Carpenter, who got a, um, uh, uh, who's going to get a scolding in private, and he said, "No, no, no, you should do this out in the hallway here and tell me exactly what's going on." Uh, and uh, he was one of the guys that uh, basically said, "I'm not wearing the mask. I'm not a danger to anybody. I'm not going to do this." And uh, it was an excuse, in my opinion. I think this was an excuse. As somebody said, it was not about the masks; it was about the math. Uh, Representative Ben Carpenter has been kind enough to call in and talk with us this morning about this, and he joins us on the phone right now. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Michael. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. We're good. All we right. Have, we have communication. We have the, the can you hear me now? The community, five <laughs> by five. Um, all right. So, uh, I mean, I think it's really, there. we should get T-shirts made that says it's not about the masks, it's about the math, because that seems to be, Really, what's going on here? I mean, if you and Eastman and Kirka had all worn your masks like good little boys and done what you were supposed to do when Mama scolded you, then they would have found some other reason to shut down the floor session, I'm sure, because they've got members who are out sick. And with a 21-person 21, uh, 21 majority, that slim, slim lead 
would have given the minority way too much power if they had read the the thing across the floor, right? Yeah, um, she ought to be thanking me. I, I prevented a bigger train wreck from happening. Right, some other big train wreck. If she would have had to, co- she, she would have had to have come up with, "I have cooties and can't come to the thing, so we're going to shut it down," or whatever. Yeah, it is. If, if you if you really if you do the math, if you look at the calendar, if we had read across the bill on Monday, and amendments were due by noon Tuesday, then Wednesday Thursday time frame, we're on amendments, and she doesn't have the the numbers right to prevent the amendments from getting passed. So. There would be some other excuse for why we can't uh, address the budget this week and we would be yelled out. There's there's absolutely no way on God's green earth that she is going to allow the minority to have their amendments passed on the floor. Absolutely no way. Right. And and I think that's that's the thing. I mean, at some point, you know what? I almost if if I. I don't, again, I'm not an, I'm not a I'm not a a representative. I'm not a, a legislator, but I would have almost been tempted just to throw my mask on and step in there to see what kind of pooperate it became, to see what they kind of dreamed up to uh, to figure it out. I mean, just because, like you said, they would have had to come up with something to put a stop to it because they couldn't they could not allow it to happen. Yeah, I, I, we'd considered that. I'd considered it. We talked about it. And the bottom line is, is I'm, I'm just not playing these games. I, I do not think that this, you know, we need to rise above this. And if we've got people that are ill, then we can't legitimately do business with all of the members of the body. And if we've got a whole bunch of staff members who are out, there's not the support that's necessary to make good decisions. So the mature thing to do is to say, hey, we're kind of degraded right now. Let's pause, let's get everybody healthy, and let's come back and do business. And that's what I think is the mature way to address this problem. And it sets a good example for how we should be dealing with COVID or flu uh, in the future when it strikes again and rears its ugly head, because it's going to. This is just a fact of life that we're gonna have to have. So don't don't use this as an as an opportunity to to put your thumb on people or get your way politically from either from the right or the left. Don't take advantage of it. Just be mature about it. Well, it's called playing politics, right, Ben? I mean, that's really what this is about. It's playing the politics. It's playing every angle. It's, uh, you know, we're not going to give you folks in the minority any say in the matter you're basically going to do what you're told and if not then we're going to use parliamentary procedure to punish you know and to uh and to make and to villainize that's the other thing to vilify everybody who stood against what they want to do um uh and and of course it was reported uh in several news outlets that you know again her pulling you off the floor out of the hallway where she wanted to take you into her office and apparently scold you um and uh and and you said no we'll just do it right here in the public what tell me what that was like tell me what that was about oh i mean it was just a a very brief conversation i think one of the reporters caught it on or at least part of it on uh on audio and we we just (laughs) she told me what she was going to do and i told her i wasn't going to do it and uh, that was that i mean it just it was a very simple conversation and i who knows how the conversation would have gone in private but um it it wasn't a, it wasn't a huge big deal. It was just kind of me- meeting to the minds. I mean, I, right. I, I wish that we would have had the conversation on the floor and in view of the public, but I guess we're scared of having those kind of conversations. <laughs> it looks bad. Well, and and I think 
Well, to me, it actually even looks worse when she's like, you know, again, she's the school marm pulling you in. I need to pull you into my office to have a discussion with you. And bravo for you for saying, no, we shouldn't just have it right here in front of God and everybody, because whatever you can say to me, you can say to everybody else. Um, well, I mean, Mike, that- Michael, this is this is an example. It's just another another example of the, the corruption that's been in our system, our, like our state legislator system that maybe doesn't exist in other um, systems uh, throughout the, the nation. We've got we've got a system where the, the speaker only really cares about 11 people on the floor when it comes budget time. Right. You, you've got a binding caucus. And as long as you've got a majority of the majority. The budget's going to get passed. All these amendments are all for show. We, we have to listen to the minority. We've already made an agreement that this is the budget that we're going to vote for. And we've signed on with our majority members at the beginning of the session that whatever budget comes forward, you're going to vote for it. Right. We've so basically so, sold our vote early on. Sold our vote before we've seen a single line of what the new budget looks like. But we basically promised you our vote no matter what. And this is the continuation of the thinking from the head of the of the organization that says, it's my way. I've got 11 people that have agreed to this. We're moving forward, except I don't have my 21 to vote. And so right. I've got to find something to to distract from the, the reality that I can't pass the budget right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my new favorite, uh, my new favorite quotes is uh, Donna is uh, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, that's, that's really kind of what it is, right? I mean, the only way that the minority can stand strong is just take the stance and say, we're going to fight for it. We're going to do our best. We're here to do business. Are you? That's, that's, a, I mean, there's nothing, I don't have power. <laughs> that's right. all I can do. All right. I can do is highlight the hypocrisy, highlight well, the corruption and let the people decide who they want to send in November. And, and I, I agree with that. I mean, that's part of this, you know, this is why this, the cooperate, you know, that's what should be more cooperative is because when you take people's power away, it forces them to do other things like, you know, pick at every little thing that they can, because that's the only way that you can exercise any kind of choice or power. Otherwise, you get railroaded. You know, they keep high. Oh, the minorities, you know, over the years, the minorities acting badly and they're acting out and they're not doing what it's because the, you you've given them no way to have any kind of power or authority to exercise so they can only exercise it in minute ways. And that's why it looks petty, but it's not because it's the only way you can take a stand. Yeah. If if the reality for the speaker and the majority says, hey, we've got 21 or more votes, then I can disregard the minority. But in those circumstances where I don't have 21 votes, then I have to engage with the minority. And that's the part that we're, we're missing is that we're not actually having that dialogue. The people look at the 40 members of the House and they say, wait, you got five members out that are sick what about the other 35 you, you right. all can't come to an agreement on a budget 35 right. of you yeah and and that's that's the reality is we're split almost down the middle where there's 21 in the majority and 18 over here on the minority and the the leftover of the 21 don't want anything to do with the opinions or the way that the 18 would would vote so we're going to distract and delay until we have our 21 back Right. That's that's the reality. That's the political reality. It's not right. You can't just look at it as saying, hey, you've got 35 members. You should figure it out. Well, <laughs> agreed. We should do that. But that's that's just not the political reality. Right. And of course, the Senate has continued to do business. And and uh, even though there's an outbreak and then members wore masks if they wanted to and didn't if they didn't. 
and they're going along swimming. I mean, the Senate's got its own problems, but at least they're doing business. You know, what the hell is going on on the other side here? So, I mean, in your mind here, uh, Ben, and we're coming down to the last minute and a half here, but uh, in your mind, how do we fix this? How do we make it so that we can stop with the tete-a-tete, the back and forth? Uh, it, it, we're as strong as our weakest link, I guess. I, I don't know. It, it, it takes an electorate that sends moral people, good people, down to Juno who can make good decisions and not abuse other people with their power. I don't, I mean, is it possible? <laughs> it, it seems to, in today's day and age that it isn't possible, but I, I've got to believe it does. It is. It just means that we've got to pick people from our community that we don't really want to lose. They're already doing good things. They, they would be missed if they left their organization or left their, their endeavors in their local community because they're, they're needed there. And, and you send those people that that's right. who you need to send. Not, I just you, you got to do a better job of sending people who make good moral decisions. Is well, all I can say, and it comes back to the charter of changes, Ben, which I touched on here just a minute ago. You know, we talked about the charter of changes for years. That you know the the answer is to change the players and change the venue and change the rules. And we've changed out a bunch of the players. We changed out thirty percent of the legislature. The problem is is that there are certain segments that keep sending back the same person, the good old boys, the business as usual crowd, and we can't seem to make a dent in those areas. We need to have good candidates going up against some of the business as usual crowd. Uh, quickly, uh, twenty seconds here, Ben. Yeah. It also it also boils down to who's asking for what money, and we've got a, a structural imbalance in how we bring money into the state, and a good portion of what we're asking for, monetarily, is why we have certain people in certain positions. Yeah. So if we yeah. address the fiscal structure, then we might see a change in who gets elected. Ben Carpenter, our guest. Ben, hold the line. Thank you so much. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Uh, all right, we went to break uh, there uh, real quick, but I wanted to give Ben one more bite at the apple just in case uh, there was anything else he wanted to talk about. I mean, this has got to be the ultimate. I can hear the frustration in your voice, Ben. I could just hear it that you're just like, uh, you know, why am I doing this to myself? And first of all, let me say thank you for standing up and doing what you're doing. Um, I know it's not easy. I've been frustrated as a as an elected official, and it is it is definitely not the fun thing to do. Um, but is there anything else that we should be talking about this morning? Uh, things we should be covering, uh, or should we just be you know keep shining the light and beating the drum on this? Well, the the last thing that I want to be talking about is masks and mask mandates. <laughs> this is right, like, right. This is like junior varsity. It's so down in the weeds, uh, unimportant stuff that we. It should just be a foregone conclusion. It deals with itself and it's done. We don't have to. Anyway, focusing on what, what's going to happen with the ranked choice voting and getting people educated on that, um, understanding what uh, what happens when you have uh, ballots that are removed, your, your exhausted ballots when you don't right. vote the ranked choice voting system. And what happens when a ballot gets removed? What, how does that impact the election? That's an important consideration because it's something that... Um, under the previous system didn't really uh didn't affect anything right um, i think the long term i go back to this the long-term fiscal plan for the state we've we, everything's about the money right that's our constitutional responsibility is to pass a budget and we only care about three pools of money and as long as that's not tied to the 75 percent of the people 
who are working in the non-oil economy and likely asking for state services, we're going to continue to have people elected who are only caring about how we split up that money. Right. And that's that's part of the structural problem in our state. We need to evolve to a, to a next level that says, hey, we care about our private sector. We care about the non-oil economy. We care about growing our economic um, engine and our prosperity in the state. And we need to send people there that are focused on that, not just fighting for the table scraps of federal dollars, oil money, and permanent fund earnings. We need to we need that fourth that fourth leg of that stool that says, hey, we we got to have a growing economy. Right. And that needs to be our focus. Well, and, and, and excuse me. And again, everything has become the shiny object in the room, right? Everything has become to where we talk about everything except for solutions for the budget. I mean, we should be talking about funding formulas. We should be talking about, you know, new revenues and making cuts and doing all these other things and talking about specifics. But instead, it gets filled up with um, you know, the, the back and forth, the this and that, the them and they, and the, and the, the, uh, the mask mandates and everything else, the PFD. I mean, we're batting all this stuff around and it just becomes like the bread and circuses of the legislature. It's, it's myopic. And I, I, I feel like a broken record, but the people we send here only care about spending the money and they have three pots of money. And now we're going to, and it looks like a finite amount of money. And so we're going to just argue over that every single year. There's, there doesn't appear to be anything on the horizon that's going to be anything other than the three pots of money and the, and the variation of the amount of that money every year. And that's what we squabble over. And I'm arguing that what people really care about in Alaska is higher paychecks. Like we should be talking about $2,500, $3,500 paychecks, not a $2,500 once one payment a year PFD, right? Like we need, we need economic growth and, and stability in our state for workers. If we want to see uh, demand for services come down, we, we need to be more prosperous and we've got <clears throat> lots of opportunity, whether it's tourism, whether it's mining, whether it's uh, agriculture, there is a lot of opportunity in the state to grow that economic engine and that helps solve the problems that people are, you know, increased wealth helps solve the problems of the people that are asking for state handout. But we're not focused on that, on those solutions. We're only focused on the solutions that come from the three current pools of money. Right. And the spending and, and everything else. Uh, ben, um, if you want to, I, I would, if you have a minute, can we chat about the uh, the the special election and the ranked choice voting education? Can we talk about that real quick? We're about to jump can, back yeah. into it. All right. So, I'm, so thank you for sticking with me. Uh, we're going to continue on. Uh, because I think this is important, uh, especially in light of the special elections. So here we are, going to jump back into it. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-Based, Free Thinking Radio. All right, welcome back to the program. Continuing, um, actually, I got uh, I asked Ben Carpenter. He st uh, stayed with us over the break and came back. A uh, couple things uh, I want to talk about because he mentioned uh, he mentioned the education on ranked choice voting. So I want to get to that. But right before we came back from break, he was talking about, look, we're not focusing on the right things. All we're focusing on right now is the money that we have coming in 
and what's the best way to spend it? And I would argue spend it for government, not to spend it into making the private economy better. Um, and his argument also includes the fact that we need to look and we need to diversify more to get more of those, uh, you know, to, to, to stop being dependent on the three-legged stool that we have right now. So, Ben, if you want to expand on that, and then we'll jump into the, uh, the, the ranked choice voting education first. But if you want to recap what you were just saying, I think that it's important for folks to understand. Yeah, it just is. It's human nature. We focus on the things that are right in front of us. And it, it takes uh, willpower and discipline and some foresight to look out and see that there are other options other than what's just right in front of us. And the legislators here for the budget process largely care about just three pools of money, permanent fund earnings to the extent that they get used for state spending, um, oil revenue and a small amount of uh, non-oil corporate income tax, but it's negligible and then your, your federal dollars. And as long as we're the, the annual conversation just revolves around how do we break up those, divide that, those amount, that pot of money, those pots of money, how do we just divide that? That's the extent of the conversation. We're not ever concerned about what people really want, which is uh, security with jobs, with an increasing um, paychecks. And with an increasing economy comes let's demand for services. I don't, I don't need to have the state support me because I have more disposable income. And so we're, we're not focusing on an ultimate solution, which is to raise, you know, a rising tide floats all ships. And if we had a better, stronger economy, then we wouldn't have so much need for these state services, but we're, we're not focused on that, which you could see it as a fourth leg um, for state spending. And, and I, I know this, this is not the, we got not enough time to talk about this, but this is what the value is of a of a uh, sales tax, statewide sales tax or statewide income tax, because it ties the non-oil economy to what the legislators are doing in the right in the uh, leg- legislature. Well, and take take whatever time so, you need, Ben, because I've got nothing else. I mean, this is this is important. Getting down into the weeds like this. Um, so don't, uh, don't feel, don't feel pressured here, uh, to, to do it. So expand on that as much as you want. Yeah. So I don't, I don't want to pay any taxes. I don't, you know, no. every time I've run for elected office, <laughs> I say, I, I'm a, I'm a fiscal conservative, low tax, low government, um, guy. And I, I asked the American tax foundation, um, what do, what do we do in Alaska where we're looking at maybe by the end of the decade, we've got four to $5 billion coming out of our permanent fund. And maybe that funds our entire government. Well, then how do I limit government if it grows at the size of the permanent fund? Right. Because it's going to. Right. It's, it's going to consume everything that it can coming out of the permanent fund. So how do I limit that? A spending cap? Well, I can't get a spending cap through because the folks that want to grow the government right. want to get to the point where that where it's continually growing. Right. Foxes so, don't want to let anybody out of the hen house. Right. Right. So, so agreeing to a, a, a even distribution of the permanent fund that forces money into the private sector and then taking money out of the private sector to pay for state government changes the dynamics of the conversation in the legislature and with the electorate. Now people say, hey, I've got a $2,500, $3,000 PFD coming in, and half or three quarters of it's going to my, my income tax or my state tax of some sort, right? right Just thinking right. out loud here. Numbers, I don't know what the numbers would shake out to. But now the conversation with the, with the uh, electorate says, how do I keep more of that PFD? Get your, get your hands off the spending and, and grow the economy so that I don't have to give up as much <clears> of my PFD. 
Right. Well, this is the same argument that Hammond made when he, when they zeroed out the income tax and eliminated it originally was he's like, no, 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 just zero it out because there may come a time when we need it. And it's the only way to tie Alaskans to, you know, for them to be the governors or the restrictors on that spending is when they get involved in it because you take more money. Uh, they'll get they'll get activated. So that was his argument against that at the time. And in principle, I agree with him. I mean, my argument has always been, you know what? They should just distribute all the royalty wealth to the people of Alaska, give them big checks. And then when they have to write a check back to the government for fourteen thousand dollars per person that the government spends, there would be a revolution in this state. If that I mean, that's never going to happen. But theoretically, that would you know, people would be like, oh, I get a check for twenty thousand dollars per person. And then I got to write a check back to the government for fifteen thousand bucks. What the hell is going on down there? Yeah. Yeah, I, I tie it back to something Reagan was talking about. He says that freedom's not free, and it's never more than one generation away from extinction. And this is a this is a case in point. It's not somebody that's challenging our our freedoms, but our our economic freedom is at stake here. You're you're looking at a legislature that doesn't on a on an annual basis really care about the private sector economy. Yes, we say we do. But mm-hmm. check the 700 bills that are written in both bodies in the, in the legislature <laughs> this year and how many of them address uh, systemic change to help increase the economy. I'm arguing it's not the focus of our legislature, and it needs to be. We need to be, we need to be uh, policy focused on developing, expanding our private sector economy, and that's not our focus. So how no. do you get legislators to care about growing the economy where people work. How do you do that? Right. I'm, I'm arguing that the only way you're going to do that is if you incentivize it with some sort of monetary need that they have to grow. They want to grow this part of the economy because it means more dollars into the state coffers. Right. Because if the private if economy, can, if, yeah, if the private economy grows is what you're saying. I just want to simplify it for folks. If the economy grows, the private economy grows and there is a tax base on the private economy, then that base then pulls in more money for the government and it does disallows them to just, it doesn't allow them to just take money as they want. They have to have the private economy grow to get access to more of that money. Yeah. Uh, we cared whether oil grew. We put we put um, corporate income tax or sorry corporate uh, tax incentives in place for oil producers to to go out and drill new drill new wells and expand our oil industry, right? We we did that because we wanted more oil wealth to come into state coffers. <laughs> so what are we doing likewise to grow the the non-oil economy? Remember, we've got two billion dollars that leaves the state every year in agriculture. Right. What, what if we kept portions of that $2 billion in the state? That would mean something to local economies. Right. It's keeping wealth in the state. So how are we incentivizing that? How, what, what are we doing to make that um, feasible and, and more, um, more likely to occur than it, than it has in the past? And I, I, anyway, that's if you want your legislators to think that direction, you either got to send the legislature continually send legislators that are focused on that, which is the challenge when the people are just focused on uh, state services and maintaining those three pools of money. So anyway... Well, I mean, I agree. That, that's the best I can do on short notice. Michael. Right. Well, no, and the Fiscal Policy Working Group covered a lot of these things. I mean, you had a plan that was a holistic plan that talked about cuts 
to government size. It talked about, you know, new taxation on the oil industry. It talked about creating a, you know, like a statewide South Dakota or Wyoming style sales tax. It talked, it talked about it in a holistic approach instead of just being myopic and focusing on one thing. Um, And, and yet that whole thing has been ignored. Uh, Just basically all that work you guys did just basically just discarded and ignored. It's like, oh, well, we we had the meeting and that was it. And that was really all we wanted to do is just show that we were having a meeting. Uh, and now we're going to ignore everything you guys just said, even though it was the most separate group that you could find in the legislature made up of people from all political spectrums. And they came together unanimously, even though that we're just going to ignore that whole thing. Yeah, um, you're right. It is being ignored, and I'm I'm trying to paint a picture of why it's being ignored. Right. We we are fighting. Um, we're fighting the, the leftovers, if you will, or the the byproduct of decades of easy money, of easy oil money, and a and a one trick pony for our economy. Right. We're look we're looking at the future of a, a second trick, which is our permanent fund earnings, and it's still not going to help with uh, the the non oil economy. So we got to figure out a way to incentivize legislator focus on growing that non-oil economy. Um, Ben, we're coming up on the break. And if you're willing to stay, I still want to talk about uh, uh, education, election education and ranked choice voting in the special election. If you've got time, we'll keep you over. Let's do it. All right. We're going to hold the line there. Ben Carpenter is going to be uh, continuing as our guest. Up next, we talk about the special election, the jungle primary, the ranked choice voting, the fact that we're going to be holding two on the same day, and according to the reporting, apparently on the same ballot, which I'm sure won't be confusing at all. Uh, We're going to talk with Ben Carpenter about the education proponent of that. Up next, The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free thinking radio. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Okay, we're in the break uh, with Ben Carpenter. Um, And, uh, you know, Ben, I'm sure that some of this talk that you've had has got some people spooked out there. Because you start talking about, uh, you know... That, you know, looking at, at creating a, another leg, at looking at creating it, put it at tying it to people's uh, so that they have skin in the game, the income, talking about whether it's an income tax or a sales tax or a flat tax or whatever. Immediately, I'm sure some people recoil from you and say, wait, I thought you were the small government Republican. Why are you even talking about taxes? And what do you I mean, what do you say to them at that point? Yeah. So if you send enough people to the uh, legislature where we're just going to cut state services, reduce the size of government, and then our oil tax revenue and our corporate income tax revenue and the amount of money that we need from the permanent fund uh, earnings to pay for state government is less. And then we've got room for big PFDs. If that's the, the cohort of people that you send to the legislature, then that's what your government's going to look like. But I'm arguing with with folks that say that 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 you have a you have a percentage of the population that doesn't want that to happen. They they need their state services. They've got low economic opportunity. They they don't work in the oil industry. They don't make a whole lot of money. And they look at the state services and say, "This is I need this. I don't I don't see any other opportunity." Right. 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 So you send those folks. We can cut the government. 
you don't send those folks, we don't cut the government. And we, in fact, once we expand I'm in it. Here, right. And we create more once dependency. I'm in here, I, yeah, you're creating more dependency. So I, I'm looking at it and I'm saying, well, step back, take a look at what's actually happening. What's actually happening is we've got a private sector economy that's just kind of happening. It happens on its own. It, it doesn't really uh, interact with the state government at all. For years and years, your state chamber, your, your major organizations uh, that represent business have been saying, hey, um, let's limit their spending. Let's um, make the budgeting process uh, reliable going forward, right? How, how long do we have to continue saying that before we realize that whatever we're doing, whatever we're saying is not working because that's not what the legislature is focusing on. They're not focusing on the things that the private sector um, lobby groups like the, like the chamber are, are, that care about. They're, they're not focusing on growth of the private sector. So why is that? Well, I think it's a cycle. I think that they have created a dependency, uh, which gives them a constituency, which puts them back in office, which gives them more power to control or to uh, exude the next time. And so then they continue to do that, and then they expand that base, and then they offer more services and more things, and they create a further dependency. And then that gives them more constituents that want to – it's, again, it's the whole argument of, you know, woe be unto the republic when they figure that they can, you know, gr grant themselves largesse from the public trough. That's what we're at right now. We're, we are creating this dependency state, and many of the legislators feel it is their duty – to dole out that dependency state instead of making people more self-reliant and focusing on the private economy. Yeah. I, um, I don't want increase in taxes. I, I, I want people to hear that. That's not what I want. But I also don't want an Alaska that I'm going to leave to my grandkids that uh, has a state government that's running off of the permanent fund. That's where we're headed. That's where we're headed. Right. Rich people, rich people don't want taxes. And so they're saying, hey, just use the permanent fund. 2575 splits just fine. Put it in the in the statute because we don't want to constitutionalize it. We might have to change it in the future. Well, the future right. arrives and now we've got an oil industry that's tanked. Maybe the Green New Deal nails the puts some more nails in the coffin. And we don't we don't have as much money coming in from oil industry. And now there's a call, hey, yeah, I either got to have taxes or or look, we we've got some more permanent fund earnings. We can spend that on state government and, and avoid paying taxes. Right. Okay. So now it goes from okay. Well, that sounds great. Let's let's just do that. Right. And then as the government continues to grow, it's always going to want more. Right. Because that's its, its nature. It's disconnected. It's disconnected from the voters at that point, as it is now. Yeah. You've you've got to get the pain connected to the voters. Yeah. And because that, that seventy five twenty five, all of a sudden they're like, well, we still got twenty five percent to play with. Let's just take it all. And of course, after they take it all, and that's all the earnings, and then they say, well, you know, this 5% that we're taking, that's fine, but you know, we really need 6%. And the next thing you know, now you're digging into the corpus and you're killing the golden goose because the nature of government is to grow. Uh, and that's why it needs to be locked in a constitution. And that's why you you said it, the top 20%, they don't want to pay taxes. They don't want to see a, they don't want to see the same. So instead it's shoveled all off onto the lower uh, tiers, which of course, again, increases dependency on government. I mean, this is a cycle. It's insane. Um, it, is, it is insane. And you have to ask you, you have to do some root cause analysis here. 
and yeah. figure out what the what the root is. And if government is supposed to be responsive to the people, right? It's it's instituted uh, by for and uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought there, but it's um, the the government's for the people, right? We right. are the we are the government. Yeah, hold, hold we hold. allow our government. Yeah. Hold the line, Ben. I'm sorry. I'm up against the break. I got to come back. Uh, ben Carpenter is our guest. Uh, the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. Like and share. All right, we're continuing with Ben Carpenter, uh, representative GSP uh, State Rep District 29 down there in the peninsula. Uh, we've been talking about uh, the session, uh, the masking thing. We Now we just talked about the root cause of some of the problems with the private economy and everything else. But I wanted to get into it with him because he mentioned earlier on about education over the new ranked choice voting system and everything else. And Ben... The whole problem here is is that already this is a whole brand new election system that's never been used before uh, in the state of Alaska, uh, the jungle primary and the ranked choice voting. And we thought we had until August to educate everybody because people are confused. I mean, you know, we've described it on the program here. Even I still get confused about some of the different things we've had experts on and everything else. But the listeners to this show are like super voters, right? They're not your average Joe who does just, you know, the only time they think about politics is the day of election when they walk into the box to, to pull the lever. And there are people out there who are not going to understand what's happening. And the state so far has not done any real education on this. And now to add to that, we have to have a special election by mail only and then a, a special primary and then a special general that's going to take place during the regular primary which is also a jungle primary and a ranked choice voting. And now they're saying it's going to be on the same ballot and yada, yada. I mean, you know what the state has to educate the people on this new voting system. And so far I haven't seen the answer from uh, uh I was uh, basically, well, you know, we put up a website and we sent out some flyers. We sent out some mailers yeah. and that's it. Well, I've, I've had two town halls thus far focused entirely on election uh, integrity and rank choice voting, and I'm going to have another one mid-April on the 15th in Seward to provide a presentation to those folks that want to attend on uh, on those subjects and kind of explain what the rank choice voting and open primary means. And I guess for, you know, I can't show presentation over the radio, but for the for the listening audience, if you just, you break it down into two separate elections, because that's what you have to do. There's not a ton of difference in the uh, primary uh, ballot that you're going to see. You, one of the major differences is that you're going to see all of the political parties on the same ballot. Right. Yes. As, be as before, if you were a registered Republican or a registered Democrat, you didn't see the other party's candidates. And so you'll see a bunch of names and all of the parties on your list, on your uh, ballot. And then voting is the same thing you did before. You just pick one off of that, off of what I think is going to be a giant list of people. And then right. that's it. You just pick one. That's the primary. Right. Which and is pretty similar, the, the, like you said, which is pretty similar to the regular yep. election. That may not be as confusing. But then it goes yep. on to the top four from that race, then move on to the ranked choice voting, uh, which is a little more complicated. Yeah. So I would say the ranked choice voting is easiest to understand if you change the name to instant runoff. 
Okay, so we we have experienced runoffs in the Kenai Peninsula borough for the mayor race. People understand what a runoff means. We we get two candidates that are too close together in numbers, and now we're going to have an instant runoff to find a find a winner or have another election and have a runoff. Right. So that's what we're that's what the ranked choice voting process is doing. It's doing it, but not holding another another election on another date. It's doing it instantly. Right. So you have your first round, which is your first election, and then your second round is your second election. And then you have a third election if necessary. And we've made a determination that instead of just a plurality, meaning whoever gets the most votes wins, value, we, we say that there's some value to having 50% plus one of the votes to win. Okay. So now we set up this process where uh, we're going to count all the votes. And if you don't get to 50% plus one, we're going to go to the second runoff election, the second election, which is the which is the runoff. And then we're going to eliminate one of those candidates so that there's fewer candidates and we'll redistribute those votes based on how the voters voted in the second election to find a winner. And we keep doing that until there's somebody that reaches 50% plus one. But here's the problem. You may never reach 50% plus one. There is a, a concept called a, a um, uh, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. The the ballot that's ballots that are removed. The, exhausted um, ballots. Thank you, thank you. The exhausted ballots. So what happens with an exhausted ballot from the first election to the second election, the the uh, uh, first choice to the second choice, they take all of the exhausted ballots out. Okay. So if you don't vote, if you only vote for one candidate in your first round, and you say screw the system, I don't want to participate then your ballot is exhausted going into the second round. So keeping it in simple numbers, if there are 100 people voting in the first round, there are 100 ballots to count, 51 is your 50% plus one. So the winner has to get 51% or I'm sorry, 51 votes. Right. Okay, so the votes get distributed and there isn't somebody that got 51. Going into the second round, if the candidate that's eliminated going into the second round, let's say they have 10 ballots people voted for them and 10 of those ballots are exhausted. Well, that means in the second round, it's not a hundred ballots that are counted in that election. It's now 90 ballots that are counted in that election. And so your percentage of, of uh, 50% plus one reduces. So what it means is all the remaining candidates have to get less votes. It's, it's equally distributed amongst the candidates the effect is right. that each one of those candidates has to get less votes to win. Right. So you started so you off. Can with... conceivably, you can conceivably get to the end of the election and the winner is still crowned the winner because they have the most votes and they never cross the 50% plus one threshold. Right. Because it is numerically possible. Right. It, uh, it, and, and, and again, people don't understand that. People are like, I'm going to go in and vote once and just, and I'll leave the rest blank. No, you should basically vote. You should rank them. Um, and the question is, of course, well, should I rank my first choice as actually number two? Should I do this? Should I do? I mean, there's all different kinds of mechanisms. But again, the state so far, I think, has failed to educate the. And, and look, we're two months away. We're we're ten weeks away, uh, or twelve weeks away, I guess, right now from the special uh, 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 jungle primary. And that gives us only another, you know, whatever, 60 days beyond that before we come to the first ranked choice voting setup. And people still do not understand it. Why is the state, I mean, they should be pumping money into the thing to say, okay, great, we're going to build a website to explain it. Great. 
But, but most I don't know people, why anybody's surprised at this. You I know, mean, there are portions of our state education system that are failing to teach our kids to read. Right. Why, why would we think that they're going to do an outstanding job of teaching adults how to how to vote? Well, I think they would at least Maybe. make the effort, I guess, is what I'm saying at some point. Like, what is going on? Well, uh, if your government's not going to do it and, you, and you're going to rely on your government to take care of you and tell you how to vote, teach you how to vote, then we're we're subject to however good our government is. I would say that there's a perfect example for people to take personal responsibility and go figure it out for themselves. Oh, I would agree. If we're not going to do that, right? If we're not going to do that as a, as a society, that's the foundation of how we're going to have good government is people taking ownership of the problem and going out and solving it themselves. I, I, I bristle at the notion that I have to have some, somebody from the state come tell me how to vote because the information is out there. I, I educated myself. I mean, granted, I'm, I'm have been in the discussions from the very beginning, but the information's out there. Other people are educating themselves. There are other organizations that can teach this. I, I just, yes, maybe the state should be doing a better job. They're not because it's it's not filled. We're not filled with uh, varsity players in some cases, right? right, we're, right. we're filled with JV players, and so. I, I just, I just think that um, it would be better to focus on personal responsibility and getting out and helping your neighbors, each one of us, than expecting the government to take care of us and educate us on how this is going to work. It is up to us if we're going to see a change in our government. Oh, I agree. It all comes down to personal responsibility. It's why we focused on Ranked Choice uh, on this program and had experts on and had people on to explain it and everything else. Uh, the problem is, and I agree with you, and, 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 you know, that is the theoretical versus the practical, though. In a theoretical world, everybody would take personal responsibility. But you and I both know that a large slice of the, major of the electorate, uh, and I would argue probably a majority of the electorate, pays no attention to what's going on until Election Day. And then they show up in the box, in the booth to vote. And then they're like, what's this? I don't understand. Uh, and yeah. that that to me is going to be the disaster. Not that people shouldn't take personal responsibility, Ben. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But that that uh, they had no idea prior to that that anything had even changed. Uh, I would yeah. say that the state at least should sound the trumpet to say, hey, when you step into the voting booth this year, it's going to be different. And here's how you educate yourself on it and give us some links or whatever so that we can go educate ourselves on it. But again, so a lot of people are going to step into it and go, What's this? I don't understand. And, and, yeah, and, and I would just, I, I would just go back and say from the from the very beginning, I've said we we need to grow the pool of the people who are participating in our in our process, right? And I would argue that I look at state political parties, and I see about the same level of effort as the state government in educating their people on what the ranked choice voting, the new election system is. If there's one thing that our political parties should be focused on is how do we educate our, our, our members on how to vote? Right. And, and I don't, I see a little bit of that happening, but it's not anywhere near where it needs to be. And that is made up of volunteers at the grassroots getting involved with an organization to help um, educate the people on civic duty to vote. I, I just I bristle at the notion that we need to pay somebody at the state government to give us the information to go out and vote. We have what we need in front of us. We just need to organize and go do it.
No, and I agree. I think it's I think it's be it behooves the uh, the parties and those that are locally involved to reach out to their own members and to others to try and educate them on this. I'm de- definitely not saying they should abdicate that responsibility as well. And of course, as individuals, we should be doing that as well. I yeah. just. I, you know, I'll be, be honest, Ben, I just think this is going to be a hot mess, especially come August when you've got both things on the same ticket and everything else. It's going to be it's going to be a mess. Uh, we got about um, we got about uh, 45 seconds here. I want to give you the last word. Yeah, thanks, Michael. I, I, I'm pretty excited right now. Those are two topics that I really care about. And um, if people want more information from me or want to understand me they can reach out to me and um my website's got some information on it bencarpenterpost.com it's got contact info for you to reach out to me and and let's have dialogue on some of this i i know that i'm i know that i'm saying things that uh are challenging the status quo and challenging (laughs) maybe what we've been thinking yeah no absolutely (laughs) well i think we need that my friend we need to challenge it and we should be talking about things that irritate and agitate people because it's sometimes it's the only way to motivate. Ben Carpenter, thank you so much for coming on board. Folks, The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Ben, thanks uh, so much again. Uh, we're uh, at the end here, but I do have a, if you want to, if there's anything else you want to say, something that I didn't hit on or you didn't hit on that you want to leave out the door, now's the time to uh, let us hear it. Yeah, I'm just going to say uh, it's a, a pleasure serving, and I'm I'm uh, thankful that I get the opportunity to be here and be part of the, the conversations, and uh, uh, appreciate everybody uh, hearing what I'm saying and giving me a little bit of grace for my uh, maybe my excitement and not getting all my words out straight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a, it's a big concept to try to instill down into bite-sized pieces that that you can communicate well no yeah it's so it's always difficult to try and take some of those complex things and simplify them into something that can be understood by everybody so i appreciate that my friend uh we look forward to hearing from you some more here in the future and uh, we'll keep fighting this fight thank you for all you do we appreciate it all right thank you michael all right folks that's it for real this time ben carpenter thank you so much We're out of time for tomorrow. Tomorrow is Firearms Friday. Dr. John Lott uh, is going to be joining us as well as Jacob Sellum from Reason Magazine. We will see you tomorrow.
we've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. 